Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name's Robbie Engel, and I want to jump into this this discussion today about how we can increase trust and experience grace, because today we've got a mentor of mine, a friend, and not a stranger to most of you, Bill Thrall, the Bill Thrall, on Zoom from Phoenix. How are you, Bill? Welcome to the True Face Podcast. Thank you, Robbie. I'm doing really well. The weather here is perfect, just mm. perfect. How's your golf game going? Are you getting out on the course in this weather? Like I said, the weather here is perfect. It's really <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it doesn't correlate to your, your golf game as a one day. Listen, I'm playing a lot of golf, but I'm playing a lot of golf poorly. But it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I keep showing up. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, as as most of you know, uh, Bill Thrall is one of the f- two founders of Trueface. Twenty five years ago, uh, we yes. were able to celebrate with Bill that marker as the founder of this ministry. And most nonprofits and ministries don't don't get to see the twenty five year mark, which is Amen. just remarkable and awesome. Uh, Bill has been a mentor and a friend of mine for many years now. Uh, He was that first, and then we started talking about this whole transition thing that I could uh, step into the role and take over from what he started, and it has been an amazing journey to do that with him. And I will, Bill, before we jump into the discussion today, um, you and Bruce both have been models of humility. Um, a a lot of my counsel here said, Hey, before you jump into taking over from founders, co-founders who have been in this heart soul, you know, for 25 years is, is a dicey game, whether they can really pass along their influence and their credibility and empower and entrust you with the keys to this thing takes a lot of humility. Um, and you have been a model of that to me. Well, I'm I'm just thankful for you, man. It's been a fun well, journey. Thank you, Robbie, and and I'm really appreciative, of course, of you. I I love our times together. I love what the Lord is doing in you and through you in this ministry. And I would just share with you that it's easy for me to step back because of you. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that. Thanks. I uh, it it it's pretty overwhelming. Um, it's been an overwhelming year and a half trying to step into shoes and it's part of the freedom of this message is that I don't have to try. I can't fill your shoes. I'm not going to, but God, what do you have, um, for this ministry with the gifts and talents you've given me and the team and the new members we have. And all we can do is steward that and trust God on a daily basis to keep showing up. Amen. He's done it. Amen. Um, Bill, you, uh, I, I wanted to have you on the podcast for multiple reasons. One of those is to celebrate. True Faith, this podcast has had over half a million downloads, over 500,000 wow. listens. And Praise God. you and Bruce and John and the and Pinkerton and Brittany and Bree, um, you know, were faithfully producing these these podcast for years before I came in. So it's pretty cool to have you on right after we just crossed that threshold as a podcast and as a ministry. So it's pretty cool, man. The ripples of influence keep happening and it's fun to have you on this new format. 
Thank you. Thank you. What a privilege. What You know, when you give those numbers, I just go, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you, Lord. What a privilege. So you're 81 and you've I been am. doing ministry for how many years? Whew. Well, I started uh, in my late teens. So it's been probably 60 years. So 60 years. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a while. Let's just put it that way. Give us, uh, how, when you hear numbers like that, when you hear stories of the influence of how God's, how, how God's used your time and talents and treasures to impact people over the years, how does that sit at 81 looking back? Well, it, it, to me, it's, 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 it's a validation of the miracle of God's grace. Hmm. That's what it is to me. It's like, Lord, uh, gosh, I was a, 19-year-old Bible college student, and I had this, uh, the best way I could describe it is this amazing sense of destiny with God that that somehow, in some way, he was going to use my life. And I mean, I thought maybe I had an upset stomach or maybe I had heartburn, but but really it was deep, and, and I didn't understand it. Uh, my first response to it was, um, well, that means next Tuesday I'm going to be a missionary in Peru. I didn't know how to interpret the, the experience. And, and I really thought it was going to be something that was going to immediately show itself. Hmm. But, but it didn't. Uh, there was an amazing long season of this deep angst in me that God had chosen me. Robbie, you know one of the principles we teach is that with every choice of God, there's purpose. God makes choices with purpose. And, and we get, by his grace, to mature into those purposes. So I'm 19 at the time, and then now I'm 33, and the ministry around us is, is exploding. There are so many young adults coming to Christ. And, and it was like, the 19 to 33, 19 to 32, those were years in which I didn't realize a critical component until I experienced it. This profound sense of destiny, this purpose of God, it requires a process where we experience maturity. Hmm. And it was in those 14 years that God, in a number of ways, through a number of people, helped the character who's talking get in touch with things in his life that needed to be dealt with, things in him that need to mature. Right, Quite honestly, Robbie, it was in that season of 19 to 33, and then with this audience of young adults, I, I really believe that we were experiencing grace before we titled it. I, I, th I think we were relationally engaged in, in a dynamic where the Holy Spirit of God was using us. And it was only as we codified our experience that we could say, oh, this is grace. This is one of these. And, and so uh, when, when I say that, when I hear now at 81, I go back to those moorings and I say, isn't it amazing what God does in his grace when someone, his name happens to be Bill, we're talking about me, but when somebody uh, is able because of his grace to trust God with mm -hmm. who I am. 
that 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 to me is is the foundation for it and and it's really the message that god has given us at true face that's our message uh, so today as we jump into this um this unpacking of trusting god with who we are and our identity right. and how that's connected to our purpose or identity um i i i want to ask a couple questions about the purpose and identity piece you sure. you had a strong sense of destiny on your life uh-huh. at, at 19 that right. led to tension because it felt unrealized for a long time in a preparatory way of which god was maturing you right uh, un- and, and it's and it's still maturing me by the way <laughs> how un talk a little bit more about w- what does a destiny and a purpose for your li- for our lives what does that mean and is that something yeah. that universally jesus followers feel or are given or yeah what have you well let's yeah, let's let's talk about it first in in the uh, context of relationship. Uh, part of the purpose of God is that we would know Him, mm. and that we would and that He would know us, and that we would trust Him with us. That's part of His purpose. The the disciples of Jesus, it took them a while to really catch on that it was really Him. Uh, Robbie, one of my favorite little stories in this area is. When the disciples, there was, a, there was a series back in the 70s called The Life of Jesus. And, and three of the disciples were following Jesus from about 50 feet in the shallows of the Jordan River. And one of the three turned to the other two and said, it's really him, isn't it? Hmm. It's really him. And they all shook their heads and said, yeah, it's really him. And then one of them wisely said, we're never going home again, are we? I've never gone home again, are we? So so one of the realities of the destiny that God has for every believer is the relationship with Jesus, with God, because he really is God. And 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 so uh, sometimes when we talk about calling our destiny, it, it gets caught up in something we do. But But critical to something we do is somebody we are. The, the destiny of God is about me in my relationship with God and others. And, and influence is a great word to use there. So sometimes people feel like when somebody says God's called them and they don't feel called, they feel less than. Well, that's, that's just bad theology. What, what's really true is every one of us who names the name of Jesus has a spirit in you. Every one of us. And, and who we are in the context of our influence is the purpose of God. And, and, and what, what we learn is that those who trust God with who they really are, are trusted by God with influence. Mm. And that influence continues to have a greater sense of expression not necessarily in numbers, but often in depth, Mm. in depth of relationships, in the context of family, in the context of friends, Uh, because I'm going to digress for just a minute. Uh, It's, it's imperative 
that I, as a Christian, trust the way God sees me. Mm. Because if I still see myself through the context of my shame, I will always compare me to you, always. And, and, and therefore, you're doing more, therefore, I'm not doing enough. There's something wrong with me. I got to work harder to become like you. And, and it's such a bad theology. There, there is not a theology. There's nothing in the Bible. He says, he says that he will do something. He will exalt the humble. That's what he says. That's his promise. I'll exalt the humble. He exalted Jesus in his humility. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking, he's talking about we trusting God with who he says we are so that our shame does not define us, so that I can trust him with the influence of my life and I don't have to compare me to you. Hmm. And I don't, I don't have to be measured by your success. That, that is so freeing. Robbie, that is like the message of freedom. And, and uh, we've done a lot of work, you have and we have in the years past with a lot of pastors. And tragically, often in pastors' meetings, the most thing that's talked about is how big is your church? Mm. It's just, it's just, it's just, and the guys with the biggest churches must be the most effective. And, and therefore, let's follow their model. That, that's been going on for who knows how long. But, but, in, but in reality, the faithful, regardless of the number, are the ones that are living in the purpose of God. And the purpose of God is primarily relational. Because... The purpose of God, it begins relationally. Part, part of it, Robbie, is that, remember, he said to go into all the world. Yep. But, but, it, it, but who did he send? He sent those that really love Jesus and each other. So the purpose is relational, primarily with God and others. And then in that purpose, there is something to be done in a world that desperately needs Jesus. Yep. Something to be done. Yeah. And, that, and that's the influence piece. That Absol- absolutely. Out, out of the, re- the new relational reality, which is our purpose of, connect- of being, having a relationship with God that is made new, then out of that, God will use our unique time, talents, positions of influence to, um, to do the purposes of the kingdom. In, Abs- absolutely. Because, A- absolutely. And it's the, because a lot of us have been in churches where there's a, and been taught there's a low grade, um, expectation of have you been called by God and called by God subtext is go into ministry, give more money away, do this, do that, be in a position of leadership. But that, that theology is off. I think so. Uh, Because I, I think here, here's the thing. He does call us. He says that in Ephesians, he calls some of his prophets and apostles and prophets and and pastors and teachers. He does call us. He calls us into things that match the reality of who we are. He Mm. really does. Mm. What we've done, though, is we have somehow set up um, a hierarchy of calling. Mm. And and somehow we have made the decision somewhere in the church historically that if you're called to be a pastor, 
that's a higher calling than to be called to be a baker. I don't know who made that up, but but that's but that's what happens. Mm. And 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 the reality is, uh, in my faithfulness to the purposes of God, where I am relationally, is the expression of the calling of God for me. Mm. And 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 sometimes I'm gifted as a pastor and. And that's what I should do, but but never ever should this unique committed Christian businessman be feeling that because he wasn't called as a pastor, the impact he's having on the kingdom is less than. Mm. That is that is so unfortunate. And and I'm going to digress again, Ronnie, and say part of all of that confusion is in the foundation of the sin management theologies that have plagued the church. Mm. Because the sin management theologies create a performance-based theology that measures how well I'm doing with my sin, quote, with my relationships with the world and with you. And, and, And that dynamic is so anti grace. Yeah. It, it's it's not, Robbie, that we would not have performance if we understand grace. Yep. It changes the motive of my performance. That's the key. It changes the per- the motive. If I'm performing because I have to, or I'm performing because you're doing better than I am, that's not good. But if I'm performing because by the grace of God, I've learned to love Jesus. And by the grace of God, I've learned to love you. And by the grace of God, I've learned to love my neighbor who desperately needs him. I think we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And, 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 and so the, the primary, mo- primary performance dynamic of grace is always love. Always. Mm. So, so that when I am, quote, performing out of my influence... What we're really doing is we're measuring how well our people loved because of my influence. Hmm. So the there are stay-at-home moms, attorneys, bakers, ministry leaders listening to this. Yeah, amen. When it comes to the their destiny, yeah, what is universal that you want them to hear? that where they are right now trusting god with who they are will give them a freedom in their circumstances to love well Mm. and that is their destiny and it's it's like for some of us loving well means we do certain things in certain ways but the motive of their heart a a stay-at-home mom the motive of her heart, love these kids, love them well, see the hope and the purposes of God in them, devote your life to them. The lawyer, okay, you got a job to do, you have clients, et cetera, et cetera. But what about the influence that you have on the clients that you have? Hmm. Can they sense in your person that you have a purpose greater than being a good attorney? Hmm. Hmm. It's a, 
we were talking about this a little bit a couple months ago when I was preparing what is a ten for a ten year old adventure trip, what does a ten year old need to know and hear? Right. And right. I was talking to Scott Morrison about this, about the tension of of what how does a ten year old understand on one hand they're incredibly small. <laughs> I mean, they're a person yeah. in this big world in this day and age. Like we're, we're, we're a dust. We're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We're so unimportant in the grand scheme of things. But on the other hand, we're absolutely incredibly important. Not because of a role or position or influence as the world would deem it, but right. because of the influence of a position to be able to love whoever I come across. Because if I am in a purpose as a son of God in my relationship with God and with others, then my ability to love the person I bump into this afternoon is unique to my influence. And Bill Thrall in Phoenix isn't going to have the access to the person that I bump into an hour from now as I do. which God could use to have incredible ripples in that person's life and others' lives that make me incredibly important to the, the, what God's doing in the kingdom. Right. Amen. And that could be in any position, regardless of what the world would deem as a calling of a particular measurable importance. Right. And, 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 and again, I would say, and some, by the design of God, like the disciples, they actually get to change the world. Yeah, that's a big. De- that, that was not a bad deal. I mean, that was a big deal, and 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 that same Jesus that sent them to change the world is continuing to send us, mm. and and the and the world for some is overseas. The mm. world for some is in the living room. The world for some is in the backyard. I want to. I want to go back to something, Robbie. When we don't have an understanding of God's grace and the significance of our relationship with God, our shame will cause us to live as Christians disappointed. Our shame will continue to tell us we're not enough. I, I can't talk to my neighbor. I mean, I have nothing to say. I can't. I'm an attorney. I can't talk to my clients. I have nothing to say. No, just the opposite. Just the opposite. No, here's the reality. My, my message is really my life. I, a quick, a quick story. Years ago, I had a in a in a forum I was at a leadership forum. I had a person say to me, a, a gray-haired guy. He stood up and he said, "Bill, why why is it that I feel so disconnected from this next generation, and they feel so disconnected from me?" And, and I said to him, not, not about you personally, but about us gray hairs. Unfortunately, many of us were taught to know something. It was the gospel was reduced to a message. Mm. We were taught to know something so we could tell something. But this generation wants to receive something so it can become something. And we're not sure what we have to give them because we miss something. The gospel is a message spoken loudly through our lives. Mm. That's the gospel. Can I understand the profound significance of the work of Jesus in my life? 
has an expression that the world desperately needs. And, and I know this sounds different for some people, but the world needs you, whoever you are. That's what the world needs. It needs you. Our culture today needs Christians who are able to model the hope of a life worth living. That's what this culture needs. We're a very confused, beat up, backward. I mean, the whole thing is, is as odd as anything I've ever seen. But what the world needs, this culture needs, it needs Christians who, because of the miracle of Christ in them, are exhibiting a life worth living. Mm. And on our best day, we don't have a shot of doing that, of being able to manufacture, <laughs> to love, to represent a hope beyond ourselves, which is where grace comes in. Because it's Amen. by his grace and what he made possible that not that this isn't something that we try, that we go and love better and that we we go and say, I'm going to do a better job serving and giving and loving and representing this hope. No, no, no. I hear you saying it is his grace through us in this new reality and relationship that will become evident if if our purpose in our relationship with God and our in our maturing into who he says I am now that's all we got to work on and focus on because out of that you can't manufacture purpose and hope that transfers to others that's just going to come as a byproduct of a reality in our lives Amen. And, and, then, and then we have this phenomenal reality. When I am faithful to God's purpose in my life, like my Lord Jesus and like all of the disciples, I'm probably going to suffer in a world that neither wants Jesus or me. Mm. So part, part, of, part of our dynamic is, oh, I hold back for fear of the consequence instead of moving forward believing that god will take care of the consequences mm. that's 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 so important i mm. i lots of us are fear-based i get all that i'm not i'm not trying to pick on anybody but really just that mindset robbie is so important it, it's so important am i afraid or am I able to trust God with the consequences of my obedience? By the way, Jesus did. That's critical. Jesus did. Not my will, but thy will be done. And I'm going to trust you, Father, with the consequence of my obedience at Calvary. Mm. What, what's been, what do you see as the the stuck factor for so many of us as Christians? Is it the fear of what that would look like if we really trusted Jesus with that all, all of the outcomes of our obedience? Or is it a lack of understanding of the rightness of how we see God or who he made us to be? I mean, it's all the above, and this is circular and difficult, but it, what you're describing is so rare. I see so few men and women in churches and in in the faith that really trust God at that level. Right. It, it, you know, I don't know exactly, Robbie. It's kind of circular. I, I, I would know this. I know some things on the circle. Hmm. And, and, and one of the things on the circle I know is that 
it is really hard to move into the purposes of God if I don't trust the God who has purposes. Mm. Just re it's really hard. And, and so for me, time after time after time, as I get to come alongside leaders often in crisis, it, it's like, who in the world, Mr. Jones, do you trust with you? Mm. And, 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 and the struggle in trusting God is so real, Rodney. It's, it's, it's like we uh, say it this way. For many Christians, it's easier for them to trust Jesus with their sin than it is to trust God with their person. Mm. And, 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 and yet it's the same God. And, and so it's like, how in the world do I do that? And for some, they need a model. Some people, one of, the, one of the dots on the circle is some Christians need a model. Hmm. They need somebody who's modeling a trust of God. Some, somebody who's vulnerable and comes out of hiding and, 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 and just demonstrates that, that they're not being driven by whatever the culture is demanding of us. Hmm. And, and so somewhere on that circle is, is this reality. What will it take for me to trust God with me? Mm. And listen carefully. And who do I go to to tell that I'm struggling with that trust? Mm. And who, who in the world would I know that also struggles with that trust, but just happens to be two days ahead of me in the process of maturing? And, and so that's 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 part of the of the process. Uh, now the, the counter to that often is that that we have many who are learning a theology that the Christian life is about changing who I used to be into who I ought to be, and when I'm changed enough, I'll finally trust God. Mm. And and it's so so anti, to my mind, so anti-biblical. The Christian life isn't about changing who I used to be. The Christian life is about maturing into who I am. Mm. So can, can I trust God with me? I'll say my own words a different way. Can I trust God with who he says I am? Yeah. So the, you you did you went in a circle there and talked about different I, points of of that's who, right who God says I am do I trust that and right what am I not trusting God with about my life and who that is about my life or purposes or identity and are there other people in my life that I'm trusting as a practice of that right that a lot of us are gonna you know we're getting near the end of the year we're about to enter into holidays and. The beginning of the year will have all kinds of goals. I, I'm thinking now as uh, in my own life, what if I head into 2021? Like if this is the key of really maturing into who God has made me to be is learning to trust him with more aspects of who I am. My life, right. my calling, my purpose. And in that deeper trust, I will mature into my purpose of a deeper love relationship with God and others. So a question for me that I'm thinking as you're talking is, 
do I even know the areas of my life that I'm not trusting God with where the out, where it is more comfortable for me to keep my hand on the steering wheel and control the outcomes or the purpose of this aspect of who I am or this aspect of my life or the ministry. There's a lot of areas that my actions and my heart are showing that I really do trust myself more than God. Yeah. And I, I wonder how do I, it, so, all right, let's, let's work on me for a minute. Might as well. I got you on the phone and I have access. So selfishness is okay. Sometimes I'll, I'll claim that now. Nah, it's probably not, right. but I'll, I'll just go there. So I want to trust God more deeply, Bill. And how do I find the areas of my life that I'm not, that I'm not trusting him with? Because I would then want to share that with other people, you being one of those people in my life, to hit those different points on the circle. But I, I'm not aware right now of what God has for me in an area that I could trust him more deeply with. Thank you. I, I was started in a different place, but I'll get to where you are. I was start at this point. Where am I trusting God? Hmm. And, and, and I would start at that point. Because this is something that happens. When I'm trusting God with a truth, I will act upon that truth. And acting upon that truth will create for me circumstances and opportunities where I need to trust him for something else. Hmm. And, and so the, 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 I, I'll change the, the, the point of entry. The point of entry is, Robbie, where is Robbie? demonstrating that he is trusting God. And, and a, a really good way, not just Robbie now, but anybody, a really good way is, is to come back to a, a basic principle of Christianity. Christianity is a relational faith. It's God and others. What, it, what is true on the horizontal is always the evidence of the reality of the vertical. Mm. Always. Mm. So, so that where am I trusting God? Who am I trusting God with? Where are we going together? And, and how is it working? So, so sometimes, especially in our culture, we, we become an individualistic person trying to discover God. But really, God wants us to be in community discovering God. So one of the answers I would give to that question is, who is there in Robbie's life? You just mentioned me and others. But who is there in in Robbie's life that is affirming the reality of what you are doing well? Mm. And in the exercise of that, you are discovering some things that, oops, that didn't work so well. I, and the reason I start there is because otherwise, it, this is a phenomenon. We get caught up in it sometimes. But, but, but sometimes people will say, I, I have to ask God to help me find those sins that, that I don't know about so I can confess them. And I go, wouldn't it be a good idea to learn to confess the ones you do? Don't worry about the ones you don't worry yeah. about. Don't worry about the ones you're not sure you've dealt with. Yeah. He's, he's a great redeeming God. Yeah. He can redeem you. So here, here's here's my, my point in that. So that as we 
uh, mature. A great, great question is, who is alongside me and who am I alongside? Mm -hmm. Who can help me discover what I cannot know about me by myself? Yep. And, and that's why that individualistic relationship with God dynamic can, can be really distorted because my view of me is is never as clear as the collective view of those who love me. Man. And, I'll ne and I'll never know, Robbie, unless I ask them. You know, I mean, people aren't going to come up to Bill and say, hey, Bill, I, I got something I want to share with you. You're a jerk. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, if it if it if it does, I ignore them. So so it's 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 understanding that in grace, who who has God by His grace put alongside me? And again, I just the disciples are are the great model because yeah. this this was Jesus's way of doing it. Yeah. He didn't he didn't spend three years with each of these men in isolation. He spent three years with these men in a group. And we miss that so much in our American theology. Bill, this has been so helpful. I, I brought that up. It, it's fresh on my mind. I was having lunch. I was having a salad because I'm trying to eat healthier with my friend Cornell yesterday <laughs> for lunch. And, and we were both processing our angst of like we have we have just enough awareness of how much we're missing in regards to the experience of God's love in our life. Like we get tastes of it and we're like, why are we so stuck sometimes feeling of like, it, it's that tension of like, what more can I do to receive God's love? Which is the irony of then not, you know, just receiving it and resting in what the love he has for us and our just deep desire to experience more of that. And we were processing this conversation. Um, and we said, hey, let's let's just continue to process together and see what this looks like. So we we are starting the relational journey. Uh, if you guys haven't done it, um, this is a 10 conversations to help you take a step deeper in your relationship with God and one other person. Go to trueface.org, sign up, get it for somebody for Christmas or a family member. And it's just 10 conversations to walk alongside somebody with, as Bill's talking about. And I just, just to give you guys notes in case you didn't write that down, th this is what I just wrote down uh, as Bill was talking about. Where am I trusting God? Who am I trusting God with? Where are we going together? Is that with God and as, as with others? And how is it going? Just an evaluation that we can process alongside each other. I'm going to bring that to... Stuart and Blake and Jason and David next time we meet next Wednesday morning my men's group that's a that's a rich conversation for our group of hey where are we trusting God who are we Amen. trusting God with a lot of times that's with each other in the group but who else in our lives and where are we going together in our relationship with God and and with each other and and how's it going and how we can help each other and in, in that journey that is a small group in a four question box that Bill just gave you uh, that that I think I'm going to bring to my group. And with Cornell, as this tension is maybe slightly off as we were talking about, man, how what's in the way? How can we figure out this thing that's blocking my experience of more of God's love and that subtle shift which you just gave me of going, eh. Maybe instead of what I'm not trusting God with, just look at where right. I am trusting God. And, Amen. And changes that, everything, Robbie. It, it changes everything.
Praise God. Bill, this was so much fun. Um, we will wrap up, but we are going to have you back, as always, I, as you have no option to not be a part of my life forever. So thanks well, for Well, praise God. I, I will look forward to being back and love being with you and love you, brother. Thank you for this time. Everybody listening, feel free to like it, subscribe to it, share with your friends. Thanks for being a part of the True Face tribe, the True Face team, and we hope you have a, a thankful Thanksgiving with your family and and you alone are able to love the people that you are going to come across over this holiday week. And that makes Amen. you so incredibly important and special to live into the purpose of your ability to love your whoever you bump into. And let's start with the hardest place, which is our family on Thanksgiving. How about that, True Face Tribe? How about that? Amen, Robbie. Blessings. Thanks, Bill. See ya.